You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, we're going to talk about Dune. This is Denis Villeneuve's latest movie. It's the second movie version of Dune. Dune's been adapted a couple of times. Dune is a famously difficult movie to adapt. And so this one was massively hyped. And it has so much talent behind it. And we're going to talk about what we thought. I think we're pretty vague. We don't spoil any like major plot things or anything like that. We both went into this movie blind. I think I would recommend going into it blind unless you have the opportunity to read the book. In which case, go ahead and read the book first and then go watch this movie. And we'll be here when you get back in 2023. But uh, uh, other than that, like no real spoilers here. Um, except for this part right here where I am going to spoil some of Hans Zimmer's awesome score for this movie because here is one of the themes from Dune. listening to another episode of classic movies live and uh pierre this is uh, this is a good episode this is going to be a good episode and the reason i say that isn't because the content is going to be good i think it will as well but as many of us as, as all of our viewers will know or all of our listeners will know uh our podcasts are edited 
And um, the person who edits that, that would be our editor, Brian, usually. Sometimes I edit them, but usually it's our editor, Brian. And our editor, Brian, specifically asked to hear our opinions on this movie. We were going to do an episode on it anyway, but he really wants to hear our opinions. So I'm very excited for him to edit this episode and find out, uh, you know, find out um, what we thought about this movie because he had thoughts on it and he wanted to talk about it with us, but he saw it like three weeks ago because he's a lucky duck. Uh, Anyway, Brian, we're talking about Dune tonight and uh, audience, we're also talking to you guys about Dune today. But first, um, well, we just saw this movie. We We won't go into like, a review or anything yet i'm I'm already a mess pierre you can cut me off if ever you need to but uh, uh yeah we're yeah. doing let me let me yeah go ahead we're dooning dune do dune there was a pun there somewhere it's uh it's 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 late whatever we just saw dune yeah we just Our saw dune and it is a stuff. it is a long movie um directed by well i guess this was one of the first movies i kind of want to say delayed or maybe not one of the first movies, but I think this was a contentious movie because it stayed in the December 2020 spot for a while before yeah. eventually shifting. Uh, I guess when a lot of this, the movies shifted because we weren't sure when the pandemic was going to be over. So This was a, yeah, this was a big one. It wasn't one of the first ones to be moved because like you said, it stayed in that spot for a while. But like, I know Warner Brothers did not want to move this movie. Denis Villeneuve mm-hmm. didn't want to move this movie. No one wanted to. And then when they finally did, it was a huge deal. And it got pushed almost a full year. Not a full year, but very close. Yeah. Um, and um, Especially with the way this movie works. I like De- Denis Villeneuve is like a very... I mean, he's he's been working a lot. You know, like he had... He's had a ton of movies back to back to back, like... 2013 he had two movies and then 2015 2016 2017 he had movies and then this was three years for dune uh and i guess four years until it came out and this is i mean i don't know if this is a spoiler but this is a part one movie but it is not advertised as so um, um which also see, makes you say it, that but it also it really i really wonder about that like why is it not advertised as that because Denis has, from the start, consistently said, this is part one of two. He has never said anything different. So yeah. it's really weird to me that it's not advertised as part one of two. Yeah. But I think part of it is, like, part two technically isn't greenlit. Denis yeah. is, like, putting all of his eggs into this basket. He's like, this is part one. If you want part two, you better show up because otherwise Warner Brothers will not give me a billion dollars. Yeah. Well, even in the movie, it feels inconsistent. The... It says Dune Part One at one point in the movie, like it's like the title, the title of the movie when it comes out, because um, there's like an opening sequence and then the title, and then it says Part One for like literally like half a second. I want to say it's really quick. It's like it it's, doesn't want the audience to know. I thought it was really it's not quick. that quick. Um, I, it was very obvious to me. But yeah, anyways, but and then it didn't say it at the end too. Like uh, it said Dune. In the end, uh, Dune will return in Avengers End. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess Denis has been waiting a while because yeah, this movie kind of coming out kind of might help him know what his next project's going to be, whether it's the second Dune movie or whether it's something else original, I guess, or whatever he wants to do, or maybe not original, whatever he wants to do next. I don't think he's done like an original 
most of his movies have been based off novels or something like that, um, or a previous property like Blade Runner, at least recently. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think his early ones, but yeah, his his most recent ones for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he hasn't yeah. even actually he hasn't even actually been the main writer on any of his movies since 2010, mm-hmm, with since- the exception now of Dune. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's really made a name for himself in the past, I guess, seven, seven years, at least in a, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I guess it's been 10 years, but like, I feel like he really popped off, at least to me, he, he came into my, I think he came really into view when Sicario came out. Cause I was really like critically acclaimed, I think. And I think it won, like it really brought Benicio del Toro. Like, I think he won an Oscar for it. Did he? I don't. I don't think he won. It, it won some Oscars. It got a lot of Oscar buzz that year in 2015. It was. It was nominated for best cinematography, original score, and sound editing. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Oh well, never mind. I take it back. Um, <laughs> and I. I guess it probably didn't really win any of those. Actually, right? No, it, it lost all of them. But they were all big names. Cinematography was Roger Deakins. That was. Yeah. That probably would have been his like 14th nomination without a win yet. Because he only just won for, I think, 1917, wasn't it? Yeah, it was his first one, which is And then insane. Johan Johansson, which I think Johan Johansson won for original score eventually. But that, but he also was another name that was like, he comes up a lot and then didn't win. Yeah, he did Shape and of out, Water, right? I think so. Something like that. I might be completely off. He, he did Prisoners, Sicario, and Arrival. And the theory of everything. Oh, never mind. Um, I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay, cool. Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, he's. Uh, I mean, what Chris? I saw. I saw Prisoners in the summer. That was an amazing movie. Sicario is really, really good. Arrival's amazing, and it kind of brought him into the sci-fi genre. And then followed right. up with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which, in my opinion, is better than the original Blade Runner which is like really surprising, um, especially for a sequel, like from what, 40 years ago, basically, or 35 years ago. Something uh, like that, yeah. I thought that was really good. Um, and yeah, so I was really excited for this movie to come out because he has not missed yet. And when I say not missed, I mean like it hasn't, he hasn't even been close to missing in my opinion. Um, he's mm-hmm. just been basically outdoing himself from what I can tell every time. So he's been, did you say he's been totally outdoing himself? outdoing himself yeah (laughs) exactly um and that kind of brings us to do now uh four years after blade runner um i don't know jeff i feel like you because you are you know a bit about the lore at least right very Um, close to nothing but i have read some wikipedia articles so not not completely nothing but like mm -hmm. i was basically going into this blind yeah um well you know more than me because i was literally blind uh not literally blind, but like, I didn't know anything. Cause you want to go through, I guess, kind of the basics of what happened. I'm going to say, I, I'm going to preface this with, I don't think it's possible to give like a really detailed five minute summary of this movie. Uh, I'll give a summary of this movie, but like this Dune is, uh, or not, not just this movie, even the story, because Dune is a very expansive world with like a lot of politics going on. It's very like medieval Europe in space, almost in terms of its politics. And um, the main part of Dune, 
the main conflict of Dune concerns a thing called spice, which is sort of nebulous, but like it's created by sandworms somehow or another. And they are all on this planet Arrakis. And on Arrakis, there is spice. And this and spice harvest is like the most important industry in the galaxy because somehow or another, spice is required for interstellar travel. A lot of the details are kind of kept vague or at least kept vague in this movie because it's not super important. The important thing is there's a lot of special sand and people want it. And so um, that's basically what this movie is about. In the beginning, the house Atreides, I believe is what they're called, Mm -hmm. uh, are assigned to go by the emperor to go and rule over Arrakis as their fiefdom. And they're supposed to get spice production up and like, you know, become the main source of spice for the empire. But uh, political nonsense occurs and like it basically becomes um, it becomes this whole story of betrayal and intrigue and war on this desert planet. And it's very much, you know, part one of honestly could be like a million based on the world building. There's a lot of this world here and it's basically just setting up a world where you have a conflict. And I don't just say like, I, I, when I'm saying that it may or may not, it may sound like I'm sort of writing it off as this movie starts some stuff. And I don't want to talk about what that stuff is, but this movie is very much just the beginning of a series And so I don't think that it's entirely wrong for me to say it sets up a lot of world, but then doesn't necessarily wrap up that world because I don't think it's a world that's designed to be wrapped up in it. It's it's not a story that's designed to be wrapped up at all. It's like they set up a world, they set up basically kingdoms within the world, and then they talk about and then they show basically how those kingdoms fight each other. And that's what this movie is. Yeah. Honestly, very it felt very similar in uh I, I got Star okay, this might be a stretch, but I personally got some Star Wars vibes from the initial setup of um an empire. Uh obviously I think the 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 bad guys kinda like the, the main bad guy in some ways reminded me of like a hybrid between the Emperor and Darth Vader with the whole uh, is that one scene where he's kind of he's naked in like this this uh, I don't know, kind of chamber room sauna and it reminded me a lot of the scene in Star Wars where we see Darth Vader under his mask um, in like his living pod or whatever um, little things like that I guess that made I don't know when Dune was made I mean it was actually the book was definitely made before Star Wars um, yeah I but don't, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I don't think that Dune was like a big inspiration on George Lucas I, because I have never heard that that's the case, mm-hmm. but I would totally believe it because this movie gave me, this movie had a lot of the same things that are in Star Wars. And like, oh, oh yeah. You know, Spice it, is a drug. Yeah. Um, and it had, uh, it had like a desert planet and heavily it had, featured a desert planet. Yeah. <laughs> It featured a lot of space politics, in my opinion, much better than in the prequels. But that was mm. the best part of the prequels is the space politics. So, like. mm. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was kind of interesting at first. 
Um, yeah, I don't know, Jeff. What, what did you think of this movie? I I, I want to start with general thoughts, uh, and like I'll I'll say them. I'm just gonna say I want to start with general thoughts before we go into like a lot of the specifics of this movie because I do have a lot to say on the specifics, but uh, I know that our opinions on this movie varied quite greatly. I think. Yes. <laughs> uh, I thought this movie was really, really, really good. Like, to me, I have some gripes with it. I think those gripes are ultimately fairly small and we'll get into them. But my biggest one is really just, it was half of a movie and I want to see the other half really badly. Now this first half was already two and a half hours. I don't want to sit in a theater for five hours to see the whole thing right Mm -hmm. away. Um, But like, I really want to see the other half because I think that uh, this movie set up a world that I'm really interested in and it kind of looks like the second half is the really cool, exciting half that's going to like delve into the part of the world that I was personally missing from this one. Um, anyway, general thoughts. I really like this. Go ahead, Peter. I, what are your general I don't thoughts? Know. I, <laughs> yeah, I was really awkward. Me and Jeff left the theater. Everyone was talking about how amazing this movie was, and I just couldn't. I was really surprised. I, I had a really tough time getting through this movie. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting in the first half. Like I thought it striked a good balance of, I guess, world building and sort of storytelling at the same time. I thought the world was really interesting. Um, but then like halfway through the movie, it gets really tiring. And then I stopped kind of caring. Um, and it, it's like it doesn't carry the momentum forward with any plot, enough plot. And um, mm-hmm. it kind of continues more world building and stuff. And it expects me to be interested and I just couldn't get into it. Um, and yeah, that's unfortunate. Cause yeah, I, I think there's a lot going good in this movie um, and I admire it, but I, it didn't feel like a movie to me. And also this movie could have, I think, I don't know how long the Dune actual Dune book is like how much we're missing, but I feel like from what I've seen, this the entirety of this movie could have been trimmed down to like potentially an hour and a half. Um, if you were to do like a lot of rewriting and then you could write, you could have the whole book as like a three hour movie, potentially. Um, because I think I... This, there was a lot of scenes that dragged on. I get like in an art, in a way that made sense for it. But if this was mm-hmm. more, maybe more, maybe done by a different director, it could have been much more trim and done in an hour and a half. Well, I think that might be part of the reason that, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Dune is famously hard to adapt, or at least famously considered hard to adapt. And that Mm -hmm. might be part of it, because you say this could be trimmed down. I don't know that it could, because I don't remember, I've seen the old Dune a long time ago, and I don't remember for sure, but like, I, I don't remember most of it. But like, I know people don't really think that one is very good, and I wonder if it kind of because of that like it's this is a hard movie to condense this is a hard story to condense even down to half to five hours and like five hours being in this case two movies and that half that we got the two and a half hour part i think that i I know what you're saying because i think that the story that is told in this movie could be told in a more condensed fashion but I don't think that the story that's told in Dune actually could be much more condensed than we got in this movie. 
So I don't know if we could do if the whole thing could be a three hour movie. I don't. I, I haven't read it, so I really can't say that with yeah. much authority. But I kind of don't think so. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I, I think you would have to change a lot. I think book readers yeah. would probably be not happy about it. But I mean, like, I I personally books and movies are such different mediums that I don't think it's I think it's very tough to accurately adapt books into movies just like the structure is completely different um and uh, I don't just various other complications and it's very rare to get it right I guess I guess Lord of the Rings did it right because there was three but of them so else, maybe Dune will get it right eventually um but also what one. you're saying yeah. what, what you're saying with this could have been condensed I think that um, I agree insofar as the story that is told in this movie, like the important part of this story is basically the first hour and a half of the movie, basically the first two hours of the movie. And from those two hours, if you ended it right at where I personally think the movie probably should have ended, um, at least from a story's perspective, if you ended it there and you did just a little bit of rewriting, this movie mm-hmm. could actually have been an hour and 45 minutes it would have excluded all of the content that comes after the part I'm not saying right now, cause I don't want to spoil anything yeah. but where I think the movie could have ended. Um, but I don't think that everything after that part is important to the story that this movie is trying to tell. I think it's important to the story that's being told in the five hour hole, but it's not important to Dune part one. Yeah, that's a good, I think I know what you're talking about. There's a, there's a, I think the what they see as the end of the second act in this movie, um, Denny Denny Villeneuve envisioned as the oh no no you the climax what the climax could have been was the end of the second act in this movie. Um, yes, yeah, and I I can see what you mean because yeah after that the the it kind of feels like it's dragging on from a natural because, ending point. Um, yeah, the but also there wasn't really. Movie? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, the third act of this movie basically feels like the prologue to the second movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, or wait, is prologue the beginning? Oh yeah, epilogue's after. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and that 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 definitely felt like it uh, hurt the pacing a lot because that that led it to a climax that was obviously like I was I guess I was telling you this earlier, but like the the climax of this movie, the end definitely feels like what would happen midway through a movie hundred mm-hmm. percent so like i guess in the grand scheme of things when part two comes out it might make a lot more sense as like a five-hour movie basically um yeah but that bothers me because i guess like i i think lord of the rings really works out as a trilogy because even though there isn't even though they're three they're three parts and they they do heavily tie into each other like they're not standalone movies in any way mm-hmm. um the the like the first and second movies have a solid climactic moment like they they're still very structured in the way a typical movie would be and they work very well um and each yeah. like each movie has its own payoff as a result yeah. um and that uh, this movie doesn't really have that it, it's definitely like a part one movie uh i guess yeah. similar to like i don't know i i want to say deathly hollows but i even feel like deathly hollows had a more climactic moment um, that made it feel more like its own thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, where, yeah, the, 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 the third, the third, the climactic moment in this very much felt unnecessary and kind of weird. Well, this, 
This movie ends with Zendaya's character saying, this is only Dune Part 1. Come back in 2023 for Dune Part 2. Yeah, not literally, but basically. It's basically that. Yeah. It's way funnier to me if I just if I just change my actual memory of that scene to just that. Yeah. Um, speaking of Zendaya, this movie has an insane cast. It Absolutely is ridiculous. Massive cast. Um, you got, I mean, Timothy Chalamet, uh, as the lead, but you got Oscar Isaac, Rebecca Ferguson, Jason Momoa, you got, uh, Javier Bardem, you got, uh, Dave Bautista, uh, well, I just realized this isn't in the movie, like, at all. Um, Dave Bautista? Yeah, he's, he's, he's there. He's in it. Really? I, I remember he might have had, like, three minutes of screen time total. No, no, he was probably in it for closer to, like, I would even go so far as to say 20. Really? Stellan Skarsgård's... Stellan Skarsgård's two main lackeys were Dave Bautista and the guy who played Polka Dot Man. Yeah, David David Dalmashin. Yeah, something like that. And, like, Um, David Dast... Polka Dot Man had way more like screen time than Dave Bautista. He did, but if yeah. ever there was a fight, Dave Bautista was there. Oh, I, I don't remember this. Maybe I was asleep or something. I don't Dave know. Bautista also like Dave Dave Bautista's character had his own little character quirks that definitely came across. Mm-hmm. But generally, but like in a lot of his scenes, they he didn't. He, his character only really came out when he was speaking to Stellan Skarsgård's character. And, mm-hmm. like, when he wasn't, if he was in a scene, he just kind of looked like Stellan Skarsgård's character, but as a henchman. So, like, yeah. <laughs> he, he was easy to miss, even when he was there. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of St- Stellan Skarsgård's in this, he was. I really liked him in this. Um, I thought he was amazing. Uh, oh, I think there's one more. Jason, Josh Brolin. I think that's... Yes. I think that's it. That's the last big one Thanos. I can think of. Yeah. Thanos, yeah. Um, so, yeah, really stacked cast. I personally think, uh, I mean, I think it's obviously the way the movie was filmed, but I think a lot of the acting I didn't like personally. A lot of it was very lifeless. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, I, I thought, did a great job. Um, and Jason Momoa, I think Jason Momoa was, was stellar in this. I think he brought so much life to the screen. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Which I never thought I think I'd say. That, um, I think that all of the acting was technically very good. Like, none of it was technically bad acting. But I agree that a lot of it felt really lifeless. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Momoa definitely, like, was the most charismatic of the entire cast by far. Beyond that, I would say uh, Stellan Skarsgård was probably my favorite performance. Um I thought that Josh Brolin and David Daskmalkian also brought like a lot of life to their respective roles. Josh Brolin was very much just a, I'm the King's bodyguard, but he did play Mm -hmm, that in a way that wasn't emotionless, which Mm -hmm. I think really matters in this movie because Oscar Isaac and Timothy Chalamet were playing serious people doing serious things. And apparently they did not have emotions and like, if that was part of their character where they can never show emotion or something great, but it wasn't, it was just them being very cold, which I don't think I liked. I mean, I don't, I know that Timothy Chalamet is a, is a person is an actor who gets a lot of roles, but 
I'm going to be quite honest, I have yet to be convinced that he's a good actor. And I don't think he was necessarily a bad choice in this. Mm-hmm. But, like, I will not remember his character from this movie at all. I mean, I'll remember... I. There's nothing interesting about Paul Atreides in this movie as portrayed by Timothy Chalamet, in my opinion. He was a pretty weak protagonist. He felt very dreamy and, like, out of it a lot of... I mean, that's I think that's in character. That's the way, like, it was written. Um, Mm -hmm. But still, like, it wasn't great. It reminded me a lot. It's like Denis um, wrote a lot of it, or directed a lot of it. Like, he was still directing Blade Runner. Um, I think in Blade Runner, it worked really well because... Um, a lot of the character, I think it's kind of like in the original Blade, Blade Runner, a lot of the character, a lot of the people in the society are pretty lifeless. Um, mm-hmm. and the main guy's a replicant and all that, which I thought was like a cool artistic touch. Um, at least the second time I watched it in this, there's, I don't think there's any reason why everyone has to be so drab. I mean, the villains, yes. Um, I think a lot of the main but characters, the, especially the since they are, were... sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, with the exception of Dave Bautista, though, the villains are so charismatic by, like, I hated Stellan Skarsgård a lot because I hated his character. But, like, he was an absolute wonder to watch on screen. He was incredible. And I honestly feel the same way about David Dasmalkian. Well, I guess I meant it in a way that uh, they're more low-key, which is, in this case, good because I thought it made them really Mm -hmm. creepy. Um, yeah. Whereas the main characters, I think, especially because I think they're made a lot less relatable because they are basically a royal family. Um, mm-hmm. And there wasn't many points of re- relatability for them. They had to have a balance of more human elements for us to care about them. Um, but mm-hmm. everyone acts extremely like formal, except for that's the thing, except for Jason Momoa. Everyone acts like very normal and basic um, and just depressed, honestly. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't. So there's like literally, like I can't relate to the characters, and also they're not giving me any traits that make me like them. Um, and that's tough considering, like, you know, these are the main characters of the. <laughs> they've been they're the main focus of the movie for like two and a half hours, right? Um, mm-hmm. So like, despite some cool things happening in the movie in terms of action set pieces and stuff, I never found myself to really care about like what happens. Um, and I wasn't concerned about anyone's safety because I didn't care about any of them, to mm-hmm. be honest. So, yeah. Um, well, and I do have to wonder, there's a scene, too, uh, just in in, in uh, regards to caring about anyone's safety. I think it's very strange when movies announce that a character has plot armor. Like, I would assume that Paul Atreides, the main character of the entire franchise, is not going to die in this movie. Probably not. Like, he might get into very Probably. difficult situations, but he's not going to die. Yeah. But it's weird that the movie, like, has several characters say on several occasions, we can't kill Paul or his mother. And, like, I don't know. They can do that. They're totally free to. But it's yeah. just very weird to me when movies announce plot armor. It's a ballsy move. We'll say that. It's, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> like the whole um the whole shield thing. I didn't understand it at all too. What do you mean? Every, all the characters have there's like this technology where everyone has shields. And I'm assuming it's because uh they wanted 
they didn't want guns to be used or something like that in, in the in the book that be more interesting visually i don't know i was really um, confused not, there i mean so in this movie there's a, in this movie it's mostly a, it's mostly like a visual special effect but like the what what pierre's talking about just i guess for anybody who's just tuning in and hasn't seen the movie is all of these characters have little force fields they can just kind of activate if they're ever in about to be in trouble and it just i mean it functions as a force field it just protects them from most things it's a pretty thick but invisible force field and um i don't know i think it's just like this is this is a sci-fi movie with future tech and i think that's just one of the future tech things we have oh, as for its purpose see. yeah as for its purpose like i think it makes for more interesting battles when people are fighting with swords so maybe that's it mm. i don't know if that's explicitly the purpose of it but like Dune, at least in this movie, so I assume also in the books, this is like a very medieval story, but told in the like the guise of us of the future. Yeah. Like it's so I think that like when you have people fighting, like that's kind of just part of the part of the aesthetic is you would it's much cooler, it's much better to just have them running at each other and fighting with swords than fighting with guns but yeah i i don't know that i I don't know if that's like a stylistic choice or if there's a reason behind it i think in this movie the reason it worked uh, what i thought it worked as is it was basically just a little it was a little heads up display for all the audience to like tell you when a character was alive or when they were dead which was kind of funny um but i think i personally think denny did that pretty well um like all these characters had their little force field and the force field was generally just like a really weird uh, special effect that made them look swimmy. But Mm. then like when they got hit, they were blue if they were going to survive the hit, but red if they were going to die from the hit, which I thought was a little corny, but I thought Denny executed it well. And I thought it was pretty funny. I just, yeah. Good funny. Not, Not, I didn't personally take issue with it. Oh, yeah, I didn't it like it. Us, it also gave us one good, one, like, pretty cool uh, visual moment at the end, or I thought was a really well-executed moment, where a character is killed, and you know this because someone has hit him with a sword and it turned him red, which is the <laughs> kill color, yeah. but then he turns out to not be dead yet, and he manages to, like, come back and kill that guy. Yeah. Which is cool because you don't expect it because he's got the red sword and not the blue one. It's a subversion. I guess because they can't use blood. It's the best they can do. Um, I don't know if they couldn't. They they didn't. But, like, they probably could have. Who knows? They didn't. That's Um, all that matters. Yeah. I I thought the action set pieces were really, looked really stupid. I couldn't tell if this was, like, future Earth or whatever. Because I know that the guns exist in this. Because... Timothy has a gun, a small pistol at one point. Um, yes. And I can't, for like any any reason, understand why no one would be using guns. Like the guns exist on the ships as well, like missiles exist. But for some reason, all the hand-to-hand combat is done with swords, despite all this futuristic tech. And it also the sword fighting itself looks really stupid too, because it... It just looks, I don't know, they, they couldn't pull it off. It looks really awkward, especially with the, I don't know, like the bloodless aspect made it look really cheesy too. I have no idea. 
But yeah, I didn't like that. And the force field thing was just... I think it was supposed to block you from harm unless the sword comes at you really slowly, which was like a strategy. But then Jason Momoa has a scene where he's killing multiple people and it's like the force field rules don't matter anymore. And it's just, he's just killing people normally with swords. And it's just like, there was one... what was the point of the force fields if you're just going to have normal sword fights and killing people? Well, there was one person in, um, there was one person, one scene early on where Josh Brolin, I guess, explained the force fields, but it didn't make sense to me. So I was just considering them as chainmail and they work like chainmail. Yeah. They actually more or less do work like chainmail. Kind of, so yeah, like, actually, yeah. That's, that's just it. Um, I'm going to assume that they're also pretty bulletproof. Not fully bulletproof, probably, yeah, but like pretty that's close the only reason, because no one was using guns. Yeah, that's the only reason I can think of, but it just felt like a... Like, gunfights can be done. Like, Star Wars did it really well. I don't know why all these, like, Marvel movies, now Dune is afraid of using guns in, in fight scenes. Well, I don't think... I don't think Dune was afraid of using guns. I think well, it was it's in the book, probably. A stylistic... It's probably in the book. And also, I think it was a stylistic choice to not use guns here. Like, they're not afraid of it. They have them. But, like, the battle is cooler if you're fighting with swords. But it did. At least to me, it didn't. I thought it looked dumb. But, yeah, anyway. I don't know. What, what, what did you, I guess, what other things did you admire about this? Um, one of the other things. Okay, this is actually a little bit of a complaint. It's, it's hard because I, I feel sort of ambivalent. Uh, not ambivalently. I have positive and negative feelings about the set pieces in this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie looks super big. It's very big, and mm-hmm. Denis wants you to know it is really big. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a lot of set pieces that are like a house, but it's the biggest house you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Or like a spaceship is coming, is a spaceship is taking off, and it's a skyscraper coming out of an ocean, and like uh, the the evil home world is just machines as far as you can see. Yeah. So, like, this is a really big world, and, like, and it's a big movie with big set pieces, and those set pieces are super cool to look at. The reason this is a double-edged sword is that, in a lot of cases, it makes the movie theme seem really empty, because there's a scene where Oscar Isaac is walking through his big house, and, like, he, he goes over to the wall, and Oscar Isaac is a tiny man in the frame and there's like, and he's like one fiftieth the size of this wall. (laughs) And it's an impressive wall, but like (laughs) there's nothing else in this scene except for a tiny little Oscar Isaac and a big wall. Yeah. And there's a lot of scenes like that where like they'll look over this, they'll look over the desert and you can see miles of desert and nothing in it. Or, you know, many of the scenes where they're meeting with, uh, Baron Harkonnen, uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character, you know, there will be three people in the room and it is a huge room. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that is a stylistic choice that they make a lot of time that is made in a lot of movies. Like all the times that someone was meeting with Baron Harkonnen reminded me a lot of like when they're meeting with uh, Snoke in the Star Wars, in the Star Wars sequels yeah. or like, a few scenes with Darth Vader where there's only three people in the room in like earlier movies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, it can make a scene feel super imposing, but I feel like there's a, I feel like the big set pieces that were very empty 
ended up being overused a little bit in this movie to the point where this movie ended up feeling kind of empty as a result. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the double-edged sword of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, I think that was, it seems like this was a consistent theme slash intention for the movie. But again, I I just don't Mm -hmm. think it, it worked because there wasn't enough around it to really make it feel interesting anyways. Um, yeah, I guess I would say with this movie, nothing in this movie is the result of lazy or bad filmmaking. Mm. Like everything in this movie is a choice, a deliberate choice, which is executed really well. Yeah. The problem is, you know, not everyone is going to, that's the controversial part of this movie. Not everyone is going to agree with those choices. (laughs) And if you don't agree with those choices, you're not going to like the movie yeah. because they give it a very specific vibe that is intentional. But like, is that the best way to do this movie? I don't know. Yeah. And you know, everyone's going to have their own opinion on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I guess, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like technically this movie's great. Like I never felt like, like I don't know. I, the budget was like 200 mil, right? 165. 160, wow. That's, that's really good then. Cause like, you know, it's, a, it's actually surprisingly low for what this movie looks yeah, like. Yeah, it's a really vast cast as well. And, like, um, like uh, honestly, a lot of the time um, with blockbusters now, you can actually kind of tell when everything's, like, on a green screen stage. And, like, um, it's just – it feels really fake, right? Uh, this movie never feels – it feels like it was all no. shot, like, either – I mean, uh, it feels like it was shot on location a lot of the time. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't understand. there was nothing in this movie that felt like a green screen. Mm-hmm. There was barely anything in this movie that felt like CGI. I mean, there clearly was CGI, but there was a lot of stuff that, like, even a lot of the CGI felt and looked like it was practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that really draws you in. Like, I, I'm happy that there mm-hmm. weren't any moments where I was like, okay, this looks really, really fake. Like, like, it, that... And that, that's a big part of the movie, like the world building, especially in the first half is what really draws you in um, and gets you interested mm-hmm. and keeps you entertained. Um, and that, so that part of the movie was really well done. And sometimes that's like the hardest part of a movie to get is, is a lot of the world building. I think Marvel actually, I don't know why I keep coming back to Marvel, um, but Marvel really struggles, I think, with world building aspects. Uh, and this movie does it in spades really well. Uh, but I guess it sacrifices mm-hmm. other things for it, obviously. So that might be why um, it is that way. Uh, I mean, not to not to end us off early here, because I don't even want to stop talking about Dune just yet. But you keep coming back to Marvel and like either this, either the next episode or the episode after this is going to be Eternals. Mm, yeah. so, so we're going to be talking about Marvel again really, really soon. soon. <laughs> yeah. It's actually going to be interesting to compare Eternals to this movie, I was going to say other Marvel movies, but it'll be interesting to compare Eternals to this movie because they're both kind of sci-fi movies, but Eternals is obviously incredibly different in almost every aspect. Yeah. But like visually it gives me visually. It looks like in a lot of scenes, Eternals is going for a kind of similar vibe to this movie. Similar tone. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that will be interesting. Uh, what, what did you think uh, um, Hans Zimmer was scored this movie? Oh, uh, I loved it so much. I actually thought that like, um, so I just com- I just said that it's sort of a double-edged sword, how, how vast this movie feels sometimes. But like, 
that was complemented so well by Hans Zimmer's score. Cause it's like his score is, it's so hard to describe. It feels really big, which I guess is nothing out of the ordinary for Hans Zimmer, but it feels really big in a weirdly claustrophobic way mm. because like, it'll be, it'll be sort of muted and like the score's there, but it's just sort of, you know, illustrating this world that you can see for miles and then all of a sudden he'll bring in this one drum beat that keeps coming up. It's probably what we started this uh, started this episode with. But like there's just this one drum riff that is like so agonizing actually, but it sets the tone so well. It's like the the sound the the main theme for Dune kind of sounds like it's the musical version of political intrigue in a huge world, which is like what this movie is. Mm -hmm. And so I think Hans Zimmer, this is like, I think this might be Hans Hans Zimmer's like one of his top five executed scores. I don't know that it's necessarily his best score, but like this and Inception are the ones where he nailed what the movie is going for so hard. I actually like, it's he's the he's one of the best parts of this movie. Mm. Cause like, yeah, this this the only other movie I can think of where Hans Zimmer just like completely gets 100 percent perfect what the movie needs him to do is Inception. Yeah, he was really good. It was an amazing inception. Um mm-hmm. I pers- I I couldn't I mean I I feel like if I listen to the score alone. Like by itself, I might like like it a lot more. I I just can't remember any like specific things I, I liked about the score. Um, I don't know why. I think it's it might have just been like I was really out of the movie, so uh, I couldn't get into it. It was very grand though. I remember that, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the sound mixing or whatever, but it did feel a little overbearing at times, honestly. Um, which might have been by design too. I remember this like they kind of well, do the same I thing in so, Arrival. Yeah. Uh, where it would, it's a mostly quiet movie, um, but sometimes they get really, really loud uh, to build tension for no reason. Um, and that mm-hmm. might have been what they were going for here too, uh, just cranking the volume. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't for no reason entirely, but the score kept the the score was part of what kept me as engaged as I was personally with this movie because, like, you know, if it ever if the movie ever seemed too quiet which it did a lot of the time because a lot of this movie is just world building. That's when they would insert, I mean, either something dangerous would happen and it would draw you back into the movie or that's when Hans Zimmer would insert that drum riff that I keep talking about that just like is super tension building. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hans Zimmer is still like what, after all these years, still top of his game, honestly. Um, Yeah. He's what a spry 36 or something. He's like, I think he's like 63 or something like that, honestly. He is, yeah, 64. Oh, oh, nice. Um, But yeah, and I think he he might have made the right choice choosing this over Tenet, honestly. I mean, you know, he definitely made the right choice, I think. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, well, Tenet's score was one of the was probably my favorite score of last year anyway mm-hmm. so like so i think that ludwig ludwig Göransson worked did incredible work on tenet for sure yeah and so i i think that this has definitely worked out for the best yeah um 
Cinematography so, was great. I guess like yeah, the the cinematography was great as was the blocking and like I think this honestly I don't think I have too much specific to say about the cinematography that I didn't already say with the set pieces because really the cinematography served to show you the vastness of this world which again I still don't think that was always to this movie's benefit but like that was the choice that they made in the cinematography and they you know pretty much nailed it every time like any every single shot of this movie well not every single shot almost every shot of this movie looks so huge and yeah. shows you such huge stuff. Yeah. Um, well, it's almost overbearing how much is in this movie, just in terms of content. He's really good at uh, creating scale of things, I guess. Uh, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't think it was as good as some of his other movies. I mean, I, I think... I think this movie, because it's not colorful, it's not a very colorful movie. It's a very dry movie to look at at times in terms of color. Well, it palette, takes right? place in a desert, and the color palette is desert. Yeah, so. it's, it's very yeah. Um, but there's there are some really. I remember this one shot where uh, the ship's taking off, and there's like these uh, Timothy Chalamet and Rebecca Ferguson are talking outside, and they're kind of it's very like symmetric, like they're very symmetrical shots, but then like there's like dust kind of moving them in and out of frame almost, even though they're standing still. Mm. Um, those are really cool shots. I like that. Uh, I kind of wish Denny was able to bring in Roger Deakins for this. Um, I mean, cinematography was amazing, that. but um, him and Roger Deakins, I mean, Roger Deakins with anyone is amazing, but I really like their, these two's uh, work together before. Um, mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049 is probably possibly one of like the best, shot movie i've ever seen um so, was yeah. roger deakins not roger deakins was definitely nominated for cinematography for that movie was that the one he won for or did he not no. he didn't it well, was he didn't win until 1917 yeah. right yeah. yeah um so yeah but it's still still great cinematography in this i really liked it for sure mm-hmm. um i think it was shot on um, film honestly it looked pretty filmy was it I kind of want to say it was, but I might be completely wrong. Or maybe it was the Zen, like the some of the Zendaya flashbacks. I think might have been shot on film. One of them definitely was. But anyways, yeah. I don't know. You got anything else for for this? No, I think I've pretty much said my piece on Dune. So I guess overall, I guess I'll I'll say first. Like for me, this is a a really 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 strong eight mm. i would almost put this at a nine mm. i i had it at a nine earlier today and then i sat down and like went over my thoughts of the movie in my mind and i still really like it but i think a nine may have been me just riding high after the movie i am going to watch this movie a bunch more i mean i've already told my mom we're watching it because apparently she read she read the entire series way oh, back wow. when <laughs> um which i don't know if that means she's read the entire series as it exists now because i think there's like 17 books and i don't know when the most recent one is yeah, but like way back when she was a lot younger uh she read the entire series so she was She's very excited for this movie. So I'm going to go see it with my mom again. And like, uh, I will see this movie a couple more times and probably in our year end episode, I'll be able to tell you like my final thoughts on this because I do anticipate this being 
maybe not one of my top five of the year, probably, but like probably up there. This is going to be on my top 10 list of the year if we do one of those this year. Mm. Um, for me personally, probably like a five. I'm sorry. Uh, I think... No, don't be sorry. That's that's interesting to hear. I, I mean, I, I feel bad just saying it about one of my favorite directors. I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of potential here. Um, I think if I read the book, maybe I'd enjoy this more. I think this movie also, like, with a part two can make a lot more sense just because I'd, I'd probably just see it as literally one movie, um, one five-hour movie, because uh, that's mm-hmm. the way it feels like. Um, but yeah, to me, they're just, like, character work wasn't great. The world the world building didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, and so while technically well-made, it, it just felt too dry and sterile, honestly, to really excite me. Um, I so, think... Yeah. It would be really interesting. I don't know. We'd have to come up with an interesting way to do it or like a good way to do an episode around it. But I think it would be very interesting in the future to revisit this as a five hour movie, Mm -hmm. like Dune and Dune Part Two. For sure, yeah. Because I definitely think that that will. I mean, I know Dune Part Two isn't shot yet. But this movie feels to me like it's not intended to be seen as Dune and Dune Part 2. It's intended to be seen as one movie, even if that second part of the movie doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, if they don't make that second movie, I don't see any... This movie loses so much value, and I don't know, Mm -hmm. like... How do I say this? Like, I I don't think I'd ever watch this again if there wasn't a Part 2, because, again, like, there's just the... The movie doesn't add, lead to anything that's worthwhile um, because it's literally half of a story. So, um, yeah, I hope well, I hope they right get their now, second movie. I, I really hope so, too. I think this movie will end up being a modest success in the end mm-hmm. because I'm looking right now at the budget versus the box office. And at least on Wikipedia... The box office is currently significantly lower than the budget still, Mm. but this movie is still basically in the process of releasing. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think by the end of the year, uh, especially with the reviews, this movie has generally been getting, I think this will be at least a modest, a modest success. And then whenever Dune part two comes out, well, likely movie theaters will be in a much better position than they are now. And then, like, it can be potentially a huge success. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. But, like, I think it will be big. I think that the first one will be big enough that we get our second movie. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Until then. Yeah. We're waiting. I actually do think it's, um, I think it's kind of interesting that you said, I I don't want to dwell on it too long. But it's kind of interesting that, like, my impression has been that um, we've, pretty much been praising the all the aspects of this movie but at the end of this but like your your final rating was still pretty pretty low and like i'm not trying to call you out or anything Mm -hmm. i just think it's kind of interesting that like this is a technically really well done movie but i think that just emphasizes that like if the choices don't work for you then they they're just not gonna work yeah well to me like in the end the most important thing is i like the characters and i like the plot um, and that obviously, again, being half a movie, that is something 
or half a story that is something this movie mm-hmm. um, lacks in a lot. So I like, I don't know. I I'd com- I I, I kind of, I'm trying to think of a movie to compare it to, but I just can't because like there's so it's, it's, this is a very unique position for a movie to be in for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause usually part ones are made with part twos in mind. Uh, whereas this is just kind of a hail Mary. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really strange because this is definitely made with part two in mind, but in no other form than that. Like literally it's just Denis Villeneuve really wants to do it and he can probably get the actors back, but there's no guarantees at all. Mm-hmm, for sure. Probably not even guarantees that he can get the actors back. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he won't make it if he can't, but like, I don't know. Who's to say that Jason Momoa won't be busy when it's t- when it comes time for Dune 2? Yeah, right. Like, there's a lot up in the air. Honestly, like, this this is, like, some people are saying two years. This would probably be three more years. It was still 2021, right? And they got to approve it. And then, like, it could potentially be out in, like, 2024, for all we know. I was going to say, I'll bet it can be, I'll bet that the paperwork can be fast-tracked if this movie does gangbusters. For sure, yeah. But that's the paperwork. That's, that's not the paperwork. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll find out in 2023, 2024, whether Dune lives, Dune the movie is a successful adaptation or not. But mm-hmm. till then, we just have Dune part Um, one. I mean, I want to say that our next episode is going to be Eternals, but I actually don't know for sure when this episode is going to come out. So it's entirely possible that this episode comes out and Eternals still isn't out yet. So like... In that case, our next episode wouldn't be Eternals, but I'm just noticing that, like, or I was noticing on the car ride back, November is when all the, like, blockbuster Academy uh, hopefuls come out, because over the next couple of episodes, some of our next couple of episodes could potentially be uh, The French Dispatch, Last Night in Soho, Mm -hmm. Eternals is coming out, like, all of the Oscar bait movies that's probably actually not the best word in this case, but <laughs> yeah. like all the Oscar bait movies are coming out in are coming out in November. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some big stuff here. Yeah. It'll be exciting. I just don't know what it's, it's going to be next. We'll find out. Yeah. What's your last word here? Dune.